Hello, my friends. How are you today? You're listening to the St. Mark Bemidji Sunday Edition podcast. This podcast features a replay of our Sunday sermon or an occasion a sermon from another Wells Sister Church. If you enjoy what you hear today, you might also enjoy our weekday devotions, which you will automatically get if you subscribe to this podcast. Additionally, you might consider sharing it with a friend. Each and every podcast has a share link in its description, which can be found in the same podcast app that you're listening to right now on your computer or on your phone. I've tried to make the link to it obvious. Let me know if it isn't at john.kirk at stmarksbemidji.org. Share God's word. Share love to your neighbor. Today's sermon is titled Wrestle with God and is based on Genesis chapter 32 verses 22 through 30. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the ford at the Jabok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peneo, because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Now let's join Pastor Zamzow for this week's sermon. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we often wrestle with God, amen. Some years ago I was speaking with an elderly Christian, and I walked into her her assisted living room. She was in hospice care. And, of course, I was being cordial. And I sat down, and I had seen her a bunch. And over the, over the course of uh, the past year, we had become friends. We had lots of long talks with one another. So I walked in this morning, or I walked in that, that morning, and I said, How's it going, Evelyn? How you doing? And she started to tell me about her grandkids and her, her, her own children. And she told me about a bunch of stories from her life and travels and uh, the time that she had to move uh, from up north and in uh, the Midwest, down south, and how she hated it, but then how she grew to love it. And she told me all these things, but she avoided my question. And I said, Evelyn, that's great. But I asked how you were doing she looked at me and she said, Ben, I'm awful. I've got congestive heart failure and I'm sitting here in hospice. Most of the people that I came in here with are long dead. Every single day, I sit here and I wonder to myself, why in the world does God still have me here? 
I sit here and I wonder and I wrestle with these things. I've got my own health problems. They come in here every single day and they stick me with a bunch of needles and they make me take these horse pills. How do you think I am? I guess I never... uh, I knew this woman had never ceased to be brutally honest with me, so I guess I'm not entirely sure... Well, I was shocked at her response. She looked back at me and she said, I bet you thought you could just come in here to do, today and do your little devotion and go home, right? And I don't know what I had honestly planned for a devotion with Evelyn that day. But whatever it was, it went right out the window right then and there. Because as she continued talking, she said, you know, the thing that scares me is that I I go through all these things and when I fold my hands, I don't really want to fold my hands. I want to raise a fist to God. It seems more often than not that I'm angry with Him. That I'm fighting with Him. Is that wrong? Am I losing my faith? And when she said that, my brain jumped right to this Our first reading for today. From Genesis chapter 32, this account where Jacob wrestles with God. The story from Genesis and about uh, about Jacob wrestling with the Lord, it's it's pretty famous, but it's a rather mysterious account. You're just kind of backing up and walking through that story and how we got to this spot where Jacob is wrestling with the Lord. Remember when Jacob was born? You recall that from your Sunday school lessons? When Jacob was born, he had a twin brother Esau who was born first, and Jacob came out of the womb doing what? Grabbing onto his brother's heel. That's what Jacob means. It literally means heel grabber. And that name served him well for the majority of his life because Jacob spent an awful lot of time Scheming and planning and plotting and tricking. And doing things the way that he sought to do them. If he was led into a spot in life where he kind of wondered or questioned if God was going to bring him out of it, he would always try to set up his own backup plan. Or he would always try to get the ball rolling, doing his own thing, using his own wit, his own cunning, his own efforts to try to get things the way that he thought that they should go. He pursued the quickest, the most expedient outcomes, the best outcomes that benefited him. He did this with his uncle Laban. He did this with his older brother Esau, with his father Isaac. If you recall the story about how he tricked Esau by dressing up. He tricks his his father Isaac by dressing up like his brother Esau and stealing the birthright. And that's what leads us to this scenario in front of us today. Because Jacob stole that birthright from his brother Esau, and his Esau threatened to kill him. So Jacob runs. His older brother is bigger and stronger than him. He takes off. And he crosses the Jordan River. As he's running away, he crosses the Jordan River with nothing but a stick. And this is where the text picks up today. Because now Jacob has come back many years later. At God's command, Jacob was headed home with his whole family. And as I said, he crossed over that Jordan River the first time when he left with nothing but a stick in his hand. 
Now he's got so many people in such a large family that they have to spend their, their time divided up into two separate camps. And as they're traveling home for the first time in many, many, many years, with all their possessions, all their servants, all their livestock, everything, this messenger comes running to Jacob and says, Jacob, your brother Esau, he hasn't forgotten. He's coming at you with 400 men. And what do you got here? Women and children? And now there's no trickery. There's no cunning. There's no wit. There's no strength of arms that can save Jacob now. And earlier in Genesis chapter 32, we find Jacob like verbally sparring with God. Verbally wrestling with God. And Jacob arranges to have his camp split and his family sent away. You know, kind of one of those classic, you know, like scenes in like a movie where, where the, the, the hero of the movie suddenly realizes it's the bad guy that wants me. Just everybody leave and I'll deal with it. It's kind of what's going on here. Esau leaves, or excuse me, Jacob's family leaves and he awaits his brother Esau. In that verbal sparring with God, that verbal wrestling with God, as night, as day turns into night, it turns into actual physical wrestling. And the essence of Jacob's prayer and the, and the whole thing that surrounds this is, is essentially this. God, when you led me away from here, I didn't have anything, but now I have a whole family. And you told me to come back here. You told me to come back here. And now I have people that I love with me. I have all my possessions with me. I have everything that means something to me in the world. And my brother is now after me. And he's going to kill me. Why did you bring me back here? What am I supposed to do? And this is the nature of Jacob wrestling with God. Jacob arranges to be left alone and he wrestles with God. God appears somehow in human form. And the Lord gets beat by Jacob. He has to miraculously touch the socket of his hip and wrench him. And I don't know how you picture this mentally. I guess <laughs> uh, I, I'm picturing him like in, in a, with, with God in a headlock. <laughs> and God pushing on his hip and wrenching his hip. Jacob clings to him. The man said, that is the Lord, the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, Jacob knew who it was, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. We read in this account, uh, the, this, this whole mysterious thing that's going on, we might be left with more questions than answers. How, why would God do this with Jacob? Why would he appear and wrestle with, it, uh, with him in human form? I think we come away that way sometimes because of the magnitude of the subject matter. Wrestling with God. Wrestling with God in prayer. Wrestling with God in the dark for his blessing. You see, as God's people, 
We come to church here every single week and we are reminded time and time and time again that we can never, ever, we don't ever have to doubt whether or not we can rely on God's promises. We can rely on God's promises. The problem is, is that we can't see all ends just like Jacob and just like my friend Evelyn. As I was preparing for this today, I happened to stumble across Psalm 77. And the Psalm, uh, Psalm 77 is written by a man named Asaph. And there's a line in there that just rings home. It's, it's God, have you forgotten to be gracious? Has God forgotten His grace? Oftentimes there are situations in our own lives when it can seem to, me, to, it can seem to us that God is more of an adversary to us than a help to us. We think we know how things should go for our lives, and when God tells us otherwise, or shows us otherwise, then we get angry. And that's really the source of the conflict, isn't it? Whether it's Jacob, or it's Asaph, or it's my friend Evelyn, or it's you or me, our wills do not often line up with God's will. We often get so set on our way, that the way that we think that we should, things should go, we arrogantly believe that we know what's best and we wonder if God loves us. We wonder or question God's grace. We wonder if He's forgotten about us. We wonder if He is a perfectly good heavenly Father, then why aren't things working out for me? The truth is, oftentimes the Lord does lead us into dark places where it seems like there's no return or hope is dim and the light of dawn is nothing more than a strange bluish Minnesota gray hue. And it seems like that those times when we wrestle with Him most. This was driven home to me this past week in droves. I don't know if you follow any of the Wells websites, but uh, uh, a friend of a uh, friend of mine, a man by the name of Pastor Aaron Strong, I was a pastor at Grace Lutheran Church downtown Milwaukee. Um, Forty years old. A wife and a couple young kids. Uh, he's on his way into church one morning and uh, he's passing through an intersection and somebody ran a red light, T-boned him, and killed him. You think his family is wrestling with God? Wondering if God has forgotten to be gracious with them? Close uh, childhood friend of mine, after a really long battle with uh, many, many, many health issues this past week, she was in her very early 30s. She too succumbed to her illness in the hospital in Wassa, and she died too. I had to talk to her mother this past week, and she said the, virtually the same thing that Evelyn did, that Asaph does, that, that Jacob does. She's a believer, she's a Christian, I know she knows that her daughter is in heaven. But man, it seems like a dark place right now for her. As a mother who just has now to bury her daughters. Her daughter. The Lord leads us into some strange places. Some dark places in our life from time to time. And just like the Lord is teaching Jacob as he leads him back home, the Lord is teaching us that his ways are not our ways. 
the way that we think things should go, the way we think things should be, is not how God has planned it. And it's often through suffering and letdowns and rejection and darkness that the Lord destroys our way, our path, the one that we think we should be on, to lead us back to His way. And that's wrestling with God. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we need look no farther than our older brother Jesus in this too. Consider how he himself wrestled with God in the Garden of Gethsemane in prayer. Exhausted, nervous, sweating blood, sick to his stomach. At the thought of what lay ahead for him the next day, he prays, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Namely, if there's another way, Father, can we please find a way to do it? Yet he continues, not my will. And there's that will thing again. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Even the next day, at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cries out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There He is again. Our brother Jesus wrestling with, uh, wrestling with His Father in heaven. Wrestling with God. Despite the fact He being very uh, in very nature God doesn't consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. And from His perspective of His human nature, He's no different than us. Yet He perfectly submitted to God's will 100% to the letter, becoming obedient to death, death on a cross, going to that dark, darkest of all places, suffering the literal pain of hell, and writhes and wrestles with God in prayer on the cross as he dies. And yet in the end, he's clinging to God in victory as he cries out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He clings to God, wrestles with God, his Father, perfectly in the face of suffering, effectively saying, I know your promise. I know your promise of eternal life. I know what your will is for my death, that with my blood the sins of the world are cleansed, your guilt is pardoned, and eternal life is given. I know your promise, and I won't let you go unless you bless me. We see these uh, heroes of faith in the Bible do this Jacob. We see our Savior do it from the cross. And you know what? Quite honestly, it's okay. In fact, it's a good thing to wrestle with God in prayer. It means that you're spiritually alive. It's the very nature of God's people. This too is driven home to us in this text from Genesis chapter 32. Did you catch at the end how God changes Jacob's name? The man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Remember? Heel grabber. What's your name? Jacob, he answered. The man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and humans and have overcome. Do you remember what Israel means? Anybody ever told you that? It means wrestles with God. That's what Israel means. That's the name of God's people. 
wrestles with God. Think about how true that is over time. As you think about how Jacob wrestles with God, how the children of Israel wrestle with God in the wilderness for 40 years, falling away, crying out for mercy, being forgiven, rinse and repeat over and over and over. The Lord Jesus says to Himself, wrestling with God, and of course, right down to us. Right down to us. We struggle and wrestle with God when we go to Him in prayer. And so, we see that Maybe this is a helpful, helpful way to think of it too. Learning to pray is not like learning to tie your shoe. You learn how to pray, excuse me, you learn how to tie your shoe and you don't forget it. You don't forget how to tie your shoe. It's a once and done thing. But prayer is different. We might be taught at our bedsides or by a pastor or by a friend how to pray when we're little. But it's not something that we learn once and then do correctly for the rest of our lives. Learning to pray is a lifetime of wrestling with God. And as I said, that's not an indication of something being wrong. That's an indication of something being right. God's people wrestle with Him. As the circumstances and struggles of life change, so do our prayers. Sure, it might be Thanksgiving in good times. But we wrestle with God and ask for comfort and sadness, companionship and loneliness, courage in the face of fear, endurance in the f- when the struggle is long, wisdom when perplexed, for forgiveness when guilty, and hope of eternal life when dying. And so as I spoke to my friend Evelyn that day, it was my privilege to remind her that she could in good conscience, as a child of God, wrestle with Him. And it was my privilege to remind her that if you're wrestling with somebody, you are clinging to them. And such as it is, God in His promise always gives us something to cling to. His promises aren't elusive or shifty. What we want from God might change from day to day. But what God wants for you, what God wanted for Jacob, what God wants for the uh, family of Pastor Aaron Strong, what God wants for the family of my friend Beth, what God wants for me and for you, peace, grace, forgiveness, eternal life, those are His promises. Those never change. We are children of God. We are Israel. We can wrestle with Him and say, I won't let you go until you bless me. Amen. That's all there is for today, but we are so happy you took a few moments out of your busy day to listen to God's Word with us. Please consider subscribing to our podcast to hear more devotions like this, Monday through Friday, and to hear our Sunday sermons as well. We also cordially invite you to join us for church every week at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website at www. St. Mark's Bemidji.org.